In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The richness of the Gospels is how the same story of the same Savior is told in these four beautifully distinct ways. If in Matthew the Lord is teacher, in Luke the bringer of universal joy to all people, in John the eternal Logos made flesh and glorified eternally in the death and resurrection event, that in Mark, Jesus is the vanquisher, the rebuker of evil, the master of chaos as the suffering servant. Mark is loaded with conflict and confrontation. The evil unleashed on and ravaging the world in the form of spirits, disease, violence, rivalry, oppression, is faced head-on by Jesus. Indeed, from Mark's perspective, he is the only one who can. The only hope to break cycles began in the Garden of Eden, and the one who alone can open the way of love and peace. In Mark's world, the work is urgent. The need for focus and clarity are serious. The time is short, the stakes are eternal. His favorite word is immediately. Mark's community needs a Jesus like this. It is in crisis and looking for meaning in their persecution as Jesus followers. Why won't Jesus save us from our suffering is the question that hangs in the background of Mark's gospel. The gospel turns their question around and sets them on the journey of the mystery that in their suffering is Christ alongside them, witnessing with and through them, suffering in them. The gospel shows them and us how to follow and lay down our lives, how to put down the sword and take up the cross. Not that suffering is the end in itself, but in how we suffer, hopefully suffer, is the seed, the promise of eternal life and resurrection. All four Gospels have so-called reversal sayings, but Mark really loves paradox. The first are last, and the last first. The poor are rich. The blind see, the seeing are blind. The servant is the greatest. We humans in Mark are unfortunately mostly hard-hearted and slow and seeking to save our own skin before laying down our lives for others. We come out in Mark as basically a confused and lost lot who provoke Jesus to ask often some variation of the question, have you still no faith? Do you still not understand? Are your minds closed? And Jesus is looking at us from the page across the millennia when he asks these questions. These questions are pointed by Mark 
to his readers and to us as listeners and readers. Humans in Mark can barely perceive a world of goodness and justice. So pervasive is the chaos, so all-encompassing is the presence of suffering and evil, that we need some radical, prophetic awakening, mighty acts to rouse our human hunger and open our hearts and minds. So Jesus sets about doing just that, the impossible, undoing the physical, spiritual, social powers of isolation, exclusion, and dehumanization. The healing and making right, which is the foretaste of the coming reign, is joyful and a source of great hope, but at the same time is disorienting and unsettling. It is not comfortable to be undone and refitted to think and act as fellow signs of courage and boldness alongside our crucified leader. New Testament scholar Werner Kelber writes this of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus announces the kingdom, but opts for the cross. He is king of the Jews, but condemned by the Jewish establishment. He asks for followers, but speaks in riddles. He is identified as Nazarene, but rejected in Nazareth. He makes public pronouncements, but also hides behind a screen of secrecy. He saves others, but not himself. He promises return, but has not returned. He performs miracles, but suffers a non-miraculous death. He is a successful exorciser, but dies overcome by demonic forces. He is appointed by God in power, but dies abandoned in powerlessness. He dies, but rises from death. So keep all of that in mind as a context as we look at the reading for today. We are not yet out of the first chapter of Mark, and already Jesus is the successful healer and exorciser. He is doing all the rebuking and meeting the needs of the people for health and connection, for wholeness of body and mind and spirit. The elements for growing and influential ministry are there. Bigger crowds, more to share the message of the kingdom, more hope and joy are right at his fingertips. All he has to do is stay, keep doing what he did last night. Just show up and give the people what they want. The potential for popularity and fame is limitless. Jesus goes to a deserted place. He prays. The disciples hunt for him. And the Greek there is quite explicit, not casually looking around to see where he might have wandered off to, but stalking him like an animal. The disciples' words on finding Jesus alone hang ominously in the air of the narrative loaded with assumptions and expectations, 
Everyone is searching for you. It's nice to know that being passive-aggressive did not start with us. So much hangs on the next words, Jesus says. What kind of movement is this going to be? Will Jesus join the ranks of doomsday prophets, zealots, insurrectionists, rebels, miracle workers? Will he use his power to, cre- to create yet another system of domination with attention and control centered solely on his presence? Are miraculous acts a way to create throngs of people dependent on his presence for their identity? If our Lord in all his compassion and mercy and love and forgiveness is also at times surprising, offensive, scandalous, outside the worn paths of any thought we might have of, well, if I were in that situation, here is the obvious right thing to do. That is not because he intends to be inscrutable or confusing. It is because he is the only fully and perfectly present aware, free, and perceptive person who has ever lived. Jesus simply had no category of motivation within him of being famous or followed for his powers. We, on the other hand, as imperfect creatures, are the ones prone to create and worship a safe, manageable, and laid-back image of Jesus who is cool with whatever, or at the opposite extreme of vindictive, violent, and hell-obsessed Jesus, who will slay the wicked, who happen to be the people we don't like. So the journey that hangs on Jesus' next words is not caging our image, nailing down all knowable facts about Jesus so we have a clear and predictable definition. It is closer to the capacity to continuously have our illusions shattered, our lack of imagination exposed to his unblinking gaze, to be continuously surprised, shocked even, by the deeper reality of the one who continuously chooses the narrow path, the counterintuitive decision the way that rejects every mark of success that we so idealize and worship. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on. Whatever Jesus perceives as his, it is that they are searching for must remain as search. Jesus calls disciples. He does not accumulate admirers. Jesus loves the people in Capernaum in two ways. He heals them and he goes on. Compassion compels both. The kingdom must include both. Our growth in union with Christ must reckon with how we receive both acts as gifts. So Jesus comes to us as perfect presence and perfect ache. 
He hides nothing of himself, gives himself fully, yet at the same time will evade and escape every attempt to possess him as our pet savior, our mascot, our magic wand. We are thrown back into the nature of our desiring in his very absence so that we may encounter the presence of Jesus within us in our very desiring of the one we believe but cannot possess. When the ache of absence is a gift that teaches me what it is to be a creature who desires and who yearns and who sighs and groans for what is yet to be fulfilled, then the paradox of the kingdom is doing its work in me to make me human and to make me a disciple. My deepest healing is of the fantasy of the unreal Jesus, who I can never possess. The unreal Jesus of my own desire for clarity. The unreal Jesus who will resolve my crises. The unreal Jesus who will alleviate and evacuate all mystery. In that healing, then, I can encounter the Christ who has packed up and moved on to the next village, who lives in and among me and us, just as truly as if he were standing there physically. What the folks in Capernaum will come to learn as we ourselves are on the path of conversion is that while it seems as if he is absent, he is not really absent. His absence is his presence. The searching for him is already the encounter of conversion. Everyone is searching for you. Good, Jesus says, exactly what I wanted. Amen.